Welcome into RJ Bell's Dream Preview. This is a relaunch of the Major League Baseball podcast with our new co-host, new to pregame's podcast network. He is former Major League pitcher Josh Towers. Josh, thank you so much for doing this. Welcome to the Major League Baseball podcast. Eight years in Major League Baseball. For fans that are might not be familiar with your time, more so with the Yankees or the Orioles, I know they might remember you from your days with the Blue Jays. <laughs> Eight years in the major leagues, a lot of experience, and you've used that to parlay into a successful broadcasting career, breaking down Major League Baseball. Scotty, you're so nice. You're so <laughs> nice, man. You keep saying stuff like that. I'm going to come back. Um, I don't know about successful broadcasting career, but I would love it. I think it's, you know, it's crazy. It's like, going to be successful now with this podcast. Yeah, oh, 100%. This is what you do, baby. Um, yeah, I didn't. You know, it's crazy. Like, I talk about it now because I didn't do it when I played. But And there's a lot of guys that are very good at it. Uh, starting to think about the trans, the transition post-career. Mm-hmm. What's next? But we got so caught up. And I know I got so caught up in the moment of, of playing that I didn't think past playing. And then once it's over, you kind of sit around and go, what's next? But there's a lot of guys who start that transition while they're playing. And it's an easy place to get a job, whether I want to coach, whether I want to be on television, radio. Like, if you're in the big leagues and you know this is your last year, starting to talk to whoever, even the, even the networks, right, mm-hmm. even the stations in your home city, it's an easy transition because they're all going to want former players to, to do baseball work or whatever. I didn't do that. Um, and so when I left, you know, it's easy. You're forgot about in baseball real quick. It's very rare that, that you're remembered. I mean, think about guys like Frank Thomas. To have... To have a nickname in baseball that you're known by mm-hmm. is rare. Yeah. There's very few of them. Um, maybe two handfuls, right? I mean, it's not that many. You and I could probably go through a list, but it's not the reality. And so you're easily forgotten. And to be able to transition to something like this where you're playing would be great. I wish I would have because the transition afterwards and earning all of this, I mean, just think about how and why we're here today. Yeah. I mean, it all started with – how about this real quick? So my buddy – Johnny O'Donnell, Michael Morton, Morton Family Steakhouses, they own a few restaurants. Nine Steakhouse was one of the ones that Michael owned back in the day that was at the Palms. So, um, so I met all these guys. And so they opened a restaurant, a steakhouse, at the old Hard Rock, which is now... Virgin. For, okay, yeah, Virgin. Mm-hmm. So for the launch of the opening, I go there in support, and one of the people I meet, um, he just happens to have his own AM, kind of like this, kind of AM talk show off of um, Lotus Broadcasting here in town. Yeah, the local cl- cluster of yeah, ESPN great, networks. Oh, or not right? ESPN, but the sports networks here, yeah. And he's got to go he's got to go chase down his own um, his own funding for it. Yeah. Right. So we meet, he's like, "Hey, would you like to come on my show?" I don't know who he is. He's <laughs> there, so he's got to be a friend of one of these guys. So I say, "Sure." So who do I meet on set the one day I go? I don't know how he knows him, but Amal Shaw. Yeah. So I meet Amal, Amal mm-hmm. like so You and I worked with together at Vison. Yeah. Yeah, so I so Amal and I uh, kind of hit it off, and Amal liked how I handled myself on air, so he invites me to go on VEASAN for a segment, and I end up doing two segments that day, and they offer me a job. And so, fast forward, I meet you, and here we are. Yep, exactly. Isn't it crazy how things work? <laughs> it is, it is. Well, I mean, it's crazy. I met RJ, gosh, I mean, I, I've been doing sports radio for for over 15 years, almost 20 years, and, and yeah. I, I met RJ when I was producing at... Man, I think at first when I was back at ESPN or then maybe it was when I was at NBC and and I used to have RJ on as a weekly guest on a show that I was producing. So cool. So I've always known RJ. And then when I moved out here, you know, it kind of reconnected. I was working uh, at VSIN and and that's where you and I met. And then, you know, RJ, I started coming in here and doing 
appearances yeah. on the pregame on the RJ on the on the dream preview and it led to me coming on board here full time and so here we are RJ Bell's dream preview major league yep. baseball edition I'm Scott Seidenberg he's Josh Towers he has major league experience I played little league so I played a little beyond little league it was, little league was fun <laughs> still go Henderson little league right now no, they're first ever for it first at William to uh Wednesday what yes I think it's the first time we've ever had a team in the Little League World Series from Henderson. Really? We obviously had, uh, what's it called, on the northwest side of town. We had them a few years ago. I okay. I can't think of the Little League, but it was awesome. They were they, they represented they were Vegas. So yeah. good. I think they got to the finals, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Uh, yeah, but they represented Vegas. Yeah. yeah I think this, this is, the is first Henderson. Game. Henderson Little yeah, League. Our Little League Paseo, we had them go to San Bernardino and just come up a little short a few years back when uh, some of my boys are 20 when they were. 12. Okay, wow. So we were close, you know, right? But this mm-hmm. is so cool. This <laughs> is so cool. So Wednesday, y'all. Wednesday. Oh, it's great. And so here we are, Major RJ Bell's Dream Preview, Major League Baseball Edition. And we're recording this on Monday night. August 14th. Some of you will get this podcast tonight. Others uh, will get it Tuesday morning. So we're not going to reference the games that are going on right now. Maybe we will reference something a little bit because I want to get into some rest uh, topics here and travel situations. But here's where the standings are across Major League Baseball. A little lay of the land on Monday, August 14th. And this is, again, prior to a lot of games being concluded. So here's what we know. The Orioles are in first place in the American League East. Three up on the Rays. The Twins are four and a half up on the Guardians in the Central. Rangers three games up on the Astros in the West. And in the wild card race, the Blue Jays are the third wild card behind the Rays and the Astros. Mariners a game and a half back of the Blue Jays. Red Sox three back of them. And the Yankees five games back of Toronto as well. The Angels still holding on to hope six and a half games out. Um Real quick, in the National League, Atlanta dominating. They're going to win the East. Milwaukee's three and a half up on Chicago in the Central. The Dodgers, eight and a half up, dominating the West. And in the wild card race, it's the Phillies and the Giants, and the Marlins are the third wild card. Cubs and Reds, one game back. Diamondbacks, three games back. Padres, six games back. I want to ask you, Josh, about the third wild card now in Major League Baseball. Has it changed? Like the 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 urgency level from a player's perspective, because it, before when it was only the two wild cards, if you're six games back now on August 14th, you're not getting into the playoffs. But with a third wild card, with a chance to kind of you know not chase an extra team ahead of you, you're alive now until deep into September. Does it change the urgency level a little, a little bit? I love when you say deep into September. Man, it takes me back. Just little things. Um, <laughs> September call-ups? <laughs> no, we they don't. don't. <laughs> yeah. Dude, when you're in that position, you've been to the big leagues. Just, I have not. You know you're having that season. No, and, I was uh, cut from my college team, so no. <laughs> it's just that, well, I'm just saying in general, like, you know it's a possibility and to get, like, am I going to be a September call-up? And they keep it a secret. They're really good at this. Mm. All the organizations are. Um you know, we know where we're at. Every stadium you go to and play, everybody's going to have the standings board somewhere. Obviously, Boston's famous for having it right there on the left field wall. And so we always know where we're at. A lot of guys don't overly chase it past that because the only thing we can control is right now and what we have to accomplish, right? So our goal is to win this baseball game, and that's what we set out to do. So worrying about so many other things, it really just is a waste of our time and our headspace and what we can be focusing on. It's nice to know that there's an added spot because 
listen, we're playing 162 games, mm-hmm. 180 days. You, I mean, just the postseason of what it's about, you play for so long, 45 days of spring training, I believe it is, um, maybe more these days. To know there's an added spot and to earn it, to know you came up just short. I mean, think about the Cincinnati Reds a couple years ago. They missed mm-hmm. it by one game, I believe. That's a year, the next season they go and gut their team. It's like, how would you do this? You were right there. I didn't get it. Um, it's nice knowing that there's an extra reward for all the work that we put in. What I don't like, Scott, is I don't want it to be like the NBA or any of these leagues where, where half the league makes the playoffs. Makes that, yeah. That's not earned. Mm-hmm. That's not what this is about. Yeah. As much as, as I like the fact that we have all these teams and limited the win your division, cool, you're in. Mm, all right, win your division, we'll give you one wild card. Perfect. I like it. Because it really makes you have to work harder to really earn and appreciate and respect the work that goes in. There's nothing. I don't mean. I hope nobody takes this the wrong way. I, we've already made so many things so easy to be lazy about in life. <laughs> and I, I'm not a fan to make it any easier. And we are. And so I love the fact that we have to play 162. You put all that yeah. time in. And. And. Here it is. There's only four spots available, y'all. Win your division, and you earned it. Mm-hmm. I love it because it, when you don't make it and you had that good of a year and it comes down to that last series, which we'll probably see, your, your pride's hurt. Your ego's hurt. Like You, you start to, to go, okay, was it me? Did I get lazy? Did I cost us some games? Could I have put more work in? Mm-hmm. Or was it you? And I'm not pointing fingers per se, but when I realize why it didn't happen, it makes me want to go home in the offseason and work harder. Sure. It makes me appreciate that offseason in areas that I need to clean up. A couple of years ago, uh, I think it was two years ago, and this is something that I focused on a lot in my career because uh, I didn't believe in getting hurt. It just it wasn't for me. And Bryce Harper and Paul Seawald, their goal, and it was the, it was the, the offseason going into the season where Bryce won his second side young, I believe. <clears throat> MVP, and, Bryce? Oh, uh, sorry, MVP, yeah. yeah. And... Their goals, Vegas boys, their goals were to win, uh, sorry, not to win, to finish stronger than they started. Mm. And that is something I told you I took a lot of pride in when I thought about this because I didn't want to fade as the season came to an end. I felt like I should, it's hard, but I feel like it, it's, why, right? And so I made major adjustments and I came down to August. August was the, the month where I started to back off of my cardio. I went from weights to band work. Um, it's hard because we're so routine oriented and we're robotic at times yeah and so to be willing to make that adjustment it's not for us man we 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 are very strict about our routines it's hard to do but it's necessary and it's important and so these guys they did it they, they committed to this here at home and bryce does that paul seawald's one of the there's only 30 teams right yeah he's a major league closer mm-hmm. all right he was a guy the mets let go yeah he wasn't good enough to play for the mets back when i was coaching for the first time <laughs> and now this man is a major league closer and i think the reason he got traded from seattle to arizona this year is because if i'm not mistaken he's up for a contract mm-hmm. right so he's got some money coming his way um and these are beautiful not really talked about but so important adjustments and um and efforts that that that, that these guys had to put in or people should put in and we don't. It's easy to get lazy. They didn't. How do I change this? And look at the reward. Hmm. And so all of that to say, I love the fact that there's minimal amount of playoff spots because it really makes you appreciate and earn what it is that you're fighting for as a team. Man. And there's nothing better than winning as a team. 
Well, it brings everything you're saying about the training aspect of it and wanting to be stronger right now in the month of August as you get ready for this push. It, it, it brings me to the conversation about Shohei Otani. We saw his past couple of starts. It seemed like he was always leaving early, blister on the finger, hand in tightness. In the beginning. No, recently, like over the past like month. And now they, they are skipping his next start because of arm fatigue. He made major adjustments as well to try to do both. Listen, it is a full-time commitment to be a major league starter. Full-time commitment. And now you want me to be a major league hitter? Because guess what? That's a full-time commitment as well. There's days... When we started the, the interleague stuff to where um, to where I would hit, there was days, I remember in, in Atlanta one day, I didn't want to take batting practice. Hmm. I'm like, you know what, I'm good. You thought I'm, it would mess up your start? I, I wanted to conserve my energy. You know, hmm. you're talking about the weather outside, the humidity. I wanted to conserve my energy, yeah. So I didn't. I went out there and took a few bunts on the field, knowing that that was a possibility. But I didn't want to, I didn't want to hit. And for me not to hit... As pitchers not to hit, well, we always want to do what we can't, right? And so that was a big deal to me, but I didn't do it. Um, and to commit to this the way he has done it, and we've all tried, we all do it in amateur baseball, it's just been fascinating. And anytime there's anything, I mean, I, I smashed his forearm against the table on the way out of the cages today to get here, um, and it just kind of balloons up pretty quick. Like, we lose our mind as pitchers. <laughs> oh, my God, what is that, right? And so this man's doing both of these things in a full-time commitment to, I can't lift the same way as a hitter that I lift as a pitcher because I can't get big in certain areas. Mm -hmm. But I need to be bigger and stronger in certain areas to be a hitter. So arm fatigue, sometimes we use these terms to kind of skip what I really want to say, but it's also one of the terms used to where I know it's not that big of a deal. We do get tired, and he probably is just a little bit dinged up. So are you concerned at all no. about him? No. No. Not at all? No. If I if it was worded differently, yeah. probably. I don't think it's worded to where it's anything I'm worried about. Do you think the Angels made the right decision no. in keeping him at the deadline? No. I, agree, I agree with you. Should have traded With him. that said... <sighs> Although I did, I looked, the acquisitions that they made, and you look at that roster when they're healthy, and that's the big issue because they're never healthy, but when they're healthy, that lineup, one through nine, is one of the top lineups in the American League. They're just never healthy, never on the field together. Are you trying to get me fired up? What are you doing? I'm trying, you trying maybe. To get, you trying I, to get me going, baby? I thought at first I was so, you know, I was on board, trade him, trade him, trade him. But then I saw the acquisitions and I said, you know what? If this team gets healthy, they can make a push for I'm the gonna, playoffs. I'm going to throw my pen at you. Um, are you an Angel fan? I'm not an Angel okay. fan. Although preseason, I bet they're over 82 and a half. <laughs> Call me. <That's> the one. <laughs> Them, okay, we got a couple guarantees, right? The Angels are not going to hit their over total, no. and the Mets are not going to the playoffs, guys. Can we just get this? Just bet that every time. Um, listen, he, uh, wow, on paper. I want uh, That term should be banned from saying, right? <laughs> We're all good on paper, on paper, on paper. Um, yeah, I mean, so many teams have, have, have rosters that are just beautiful. That's what we play. But it's kind of like when, when I go to the big leagues and I go to face you and I'm looking at your name, the name on the back of the jersey, and I'm not looking at your holes, your tendencies, right? And so when I get to the big leagues, I go, wow, that's Derek Jeter. And wow, that's Jason Giambi. And wow, that's Bernie Williams. And I'm getting starstruck because I know who you are and I'm watching you on TV all this time. That, that, that's the wrong way to approach this, right? So when I look at Derek Jeter, I should look at what Derek Jeter's done the last seven days. And is he hot right now? And on video, is he using the right side of the field? Because when he is, he's dangerous. Mm -hmm. When he's not, I don't worry about Derek Jeter. And so 
when I get starstruck and I get to the big leagues, I failed already. There's holes, there's tendencies, there's all of the stuff that I really need to know about you so that I can have success. Uh, I'm looking at the wrong thing. And we do that with the Angels every year. I don't care how good. Yeah, I mean, two of the best players in the world are on the same team and they stink. Ever, right? And so, <laughs> and Mike, Mike can't stay healthy anymore. Mike no. Trout, he's having a very hard time staying healthy these days. So there's already that. But we, listen, they, they, they had 20 rounds in the draft a couple years ago. They drafted 20 pitchers because they can't pitch. Okay, somebody should have been, not somebody, a list of people should have been fired immediately. Because if you think the reason you're losing is because you can't pitch, you're right. But you're also wrong because those guys aren't playing in the big leagues tomorrow. Mm-hmm. This is a development. This is a system. We have levels to this. We have a draft every year because we go through levels and we develop. Your development is off. It's not. It's flawed in every which way possible. You have this lefty who I think was thrown today. Um, we pull up who it is. He's one of the better pitchers in the game, and he gets no love and no support. Is that Patrick Sandoval? Sandoval, yeah. yeah. Amazing kid. You got Shohei Otani. You rushed uh, Detmers to the big leagues, and he never should have rushed to the big leagues. Yeah. You set this guy from double uh, A halfway to the major leagues. He wasn't ready for it. And anybody who has, dare I say, a brain in baseball who's done any development knows he wasn't ready. But what did you do? You rushed him to the big leagues, and now you got to hope that his failures early weren't enough to set this kid back to where he can't make up for it. Yeah. And that's dangerous because we've watched this happen far too often. The Angels need a better developmental system. They need a better, and I don't know if they change their coordinators or their pitching coordinators. I don't know what they've done. But they have failed themselves in that way. And so when you see that draft, you know it's not the players. It's the organization. Yeah. Um, well, don't we see that all the time where it's like... But look at the, Tampa. The Rays are the best they, in developing but players. Always had yeah. They had it before. When I was playing, yeah. they were the very best. And my son and I get in this argument. I'm getting long-winded on this. I got a lot to say. My son and I get into this argument because he's the biggest Oriole fan in the world. How'd that and he's happen? telling me, oh, he's born and raised there. Oh, no, okay. born, not raised, he's born there. Okay. So his mom's from that area. And so nice. we, had, right. we had the kids there. And then um, their Oriole fans are Ravens fans, right? So it, easy transition for him. And he's telling me how great their development is. Well, their development's been one of the worst in big leagues for decades. The whole 90s, the old uh, 2 through 10. Mm-hmm. And, and past that, they're bad. And all of a sudden, he tell me how good they are. Well, you've had the first pick in the draft. And early picks, and yeah. high picks for a long time. You it, better do something. It worked out for the Astros. You get Altuve, Correa. And they still draft one, one, right? One, yeah. yeah, so the Orioles, they better. But how do you sustain it? Tampa Bay's been in the run. The Yankees have always sustained it. They've been fantastic at using their own uh, internals, and we kind of don't ever give them credit for doing that. No, because they're known as the evil empire, the big spenders, right, but, but they they, they but routinely they have no different than a regular, else does. A, one of the top farm systems. That's why they're able to trade every August, too, right? Yeah. So... The Except Angels' development, yes, the Angels' development has been very bad, and that's that's really what the problem is with this organization. Um, Shohei Otani is not signing back. Okay, so he wants to win. There's a there's a pride thing that comes out of Japanese players, right? When you start learning the cultures of all of the difference, whether it's Puerto Rican, Venezuelan, Dominican, Mexican, it doesn't matter. When you start learning the culture, then you know how to use the players better, right? They're all different. Their swings are different. Their approach to the game is different. How I prepare to face them is different based on where they're from in the world. And the Angels haven't learned any of this. The Japanese players want to win. There's a, they have so much pride in teamwork and doing it. There's nobody selfish coming out of Japan. It's really cool going there and seeing it. 
Shohei wants to win. The organization has been very bad. Shohei's not staying there to lose, right? So he's gone, and they know this. So you have to trade him. If they, if they truly believed that they were going to <clears throat> do well enough to, to earn a playoff spot, where are we at on that? To earn a playoff spot? Yeah, six out of a wild card. And it's not dead, but they've been so I mean, As soon as they didn't trade him, I think they lost 10 in a row. Right? They've, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't win. They were really <laughs> it took a, bad. A big losing streak after so the trade deadline. You, you have the greatest player in baseball history, not even to me in his prime yet. You're not going to go to the postseason. You made no move to even assist with this. The guy who should be running the organization is Benjamin Gill, who's on the bench. Uh, they would be a lot better if Benji was running the organization. You. And I saw this differently, but you're going to get the house. Like, look what, what Soto, look what the Padres gave up for Soto. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get the house. So you have everybody wanting the greatest player of all time. And some organizations have depth. Uh, Houston, they're willing to give up depth to get this man. And Can you imagine what the Mets would have given up? Because that owner. Steve while Cole, they still had, but, yeah. they don't, but here's the deal. The Mets set themselves so far back with the regime that was there when I was there, the Brody Van Wagonin, yeah. Wagonin and um, I'm not even going to say his name is not deserved, but the guy who was running the minor leagues at the time had no idea about, about anything when it comes to development. Um, that organization sent them so far back, the Kamar Rocker disaster, Yeah, it, they had no prospects to give up. They literally had no prospects. So the show, hey, you were going to get major league players, you were going to get somebody I can use right now, and you were going to get the farm and minor league talent, and you could have named your price to an extent. And why the Angels pulled back, I don't know, especially with Mike Trout always being on the shelf, knowing he's hurt right now. So I can't figure out what it is because they're not signing him back. And so I thought about it like this. Teams might have took my approach that I was like, well, they actually don't have, they don't have bargaining. They actually don't, they don't have leverage on this deal. They don't, so... You know, I'll tell you what. I'll give you these three guys for show. Hey, are you out of your mind? <laughs> well, what are, what are you going to do? You're going to keep them and not make the playoffs? And your fans are going to lose their mind? Mm-hmm. He's not signing back. So you're going to get booed out of the house. I can only imagine what it sounds like. It ain't. We still go because we want to see Shohei. Of course. But he's not making – you're not making the postseason. And so your fans are going to alienate you, and you're not getting him back. So you're actually getting nothing in return. Somebody would have bought and gave the farm. Yeah. But the Angels didn't even give him a chance. But the reality is, I bet a lot of teams were like, the leverage, they don't really have it. So I'm going to kind of lowball them and see what happens. And the Angels probably got tired of it. I think they it's were a just bad, no deal. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I would have traded him. I thought that maybe, you know, they, the acquiring players would give them a boost, but then they go on this long losing Boop. streak after the deadline and they just bury themselves. Scotty, they have. Again, their development in their systems. When's the last time we saw somebody come off the Angels organization that's good? Trout. <laughs> that's it. Right. We've had a couple. Who's the kid that leads off for him? He's not bad. Oh, uh, Mickey Moniak? No, he, no, no. He, he's he, from the he Phillies. Phillies. Yeah. No, the other kid, um, I think he's hurt right now. That's why he's not leading off. He was really good. He's a young player. I like him a oh, lot. Oh, Taylor Ward? T. Yeah. T-Dub. Um, they don't really have... Joe Adele was supposed to be good. What's Joe Adele doing, right? Nothing. They really don't have too many players that we've seen come up the organization. Mm -hmm. So their development is not good. You rush your first-round pick a year and a half before he's ready for the big leagues, right? Detmer. And so they had a chance to replenish and restock. The Orioles restocked their minor league system. They traded Manny and got as much as they can get. They traded everybody to get as much as they can get. This is what they needed to do. They need an 86 Mike Trout, too. 
They're not going to win, but you're going to get so much in return. Do it. Say, Mike, listen, here's the deal. You deserve to play in the postseason. You asked Mookie Betts during the World Baseball Classic, is this what it feels like mm. to play in the postseason? Mookie took a step back because he didn't realize, oh, man, you've only had like two games there, I think, right? Mm. So, so Mike doesn't know what it feels like. He wants that, too. You had an opportunity to trade these two men. You're not going to win with them. You have the opportunity to replenish your minor league system, and you chose not to do it. What am I missing? I'm R.J. Bell, and I'm going to give you some straight talk. Now, there's two types of people that try to be healthy. One is the fanatics. They're the types that show up in Vegas, and they got a water bottle, and they got like a celery chopped up. And let's forget about them, because I'm nothing like them. And you know what? I know a lot of them love AG1. But I'm not speaking to them. You guys got it covered. You know AG1's good. I'm talking about the people who try, but they're not perfect with it. And to me, that's what makes AG1 perfect, is you can have a big dinner and maybe eat a little too much. Maybe have that glass of wine or that beer. You're not feeling great. Next morning, you have the AG1, and all of a sudden, you're back feeling good. And to me, if you can have that as your home base in a way, that, that center, that equator, that center that you can return to at any time with just a nice drink and feel healthy, well, I love it. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash rjbell. That's drinkag1.com slash rjbell. Check it out. DraftKings, the leader in fantasy sports, just dropped a brand new fantasy app, Pick 6. Now, what's different about this thing? I was never a big fantasy guy. You know why? Is I always worried, you know, who's on the other side? Who am I playing against? With Pick 6, you're not going against another player or players. You're going against the bookmaker. You're going against the number that they put up. So all you got to do is pick between two and six NFL players and choose if they're going to have more or less of the stat that interests you. Download DraftKings Pick 6 app now and sign up with code RJ. That's code RJ. Only at DraftKings Pick 6. The crown is yours. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18-PLUS in most eligible states. But age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. Valid only in states where DraftKings Pick 6 operates. Pick 6 not available in all states, including but not limited to Connecticut and New York. For up-to-date lists of states, please visit dkng.com slash pick6states. Void where prohibited. See terms at pick6.draftkings.com. You're right, and and I actually applaud the Mets for making the decision to get rid of Verlander and Scherzer, and getting back Acuna's little brother was probably the best yep, deal that they've yep, done yep. in a long time. Well, how bad are the Mets messed up things too, though, right? Oh, I mean they the highest payroll, highest it. payroll in baseball, and they're they're terrible. They've done it for a while. Well, th- let me t- let me ask you then, because I thought when the Mets hired Buck Showalter last year. I said this was the best move that they could have ever made, and it's good. they're going to be rewarded immediately in year one. Because what the Mets needed was they needed somebody with some gravitas. They needed somebody that the players respected, somebody that commands respect. And that's what Buck Showalter did. Because most of the managers— You see that you believe that? 
No, I believed it last year. But you know, you believe that in general about Buck Showalter. You think yes, that he, because that most he, of the managers he, in Major League Baseball are all yes men. They're all these analytic driven guys are, that right. listen I, to the general manager. So happy you said the that. The general managers make the lineups. I hate the yes analytics men. departments make the lineups, and then the managers yeah. who are these yep. late thirties, early forties, mm-hmm. young former players that identify okay. with the players. They're just saying, okay, this is our lineup. I'll put it out there. But what Buck Showalter represents is the old wave of baseball guys that I think the Mets needed last year, and they were rewarded immediately last year. However, I will say this. What do you got? That wears, that fades fast with these players. Because players nowadays, and tell me if I'm wrong, they are coddled, and they don't respond to those old-school baseball guys. Maybe they do in year one, but in year two, we have seen it with Buck Schalter, we've seen it across Major League Baseball, the more time that passes, they don't like the disciplinarian. They don't like the coaches that get on their ass. They don't like the old school baseball mentality. They want a yes men. And I'll tell you right now, the Texas Rangers are reaping the benefits right now in year one by hiring Bruce Bochy. Oh. But long term, how good is he? He's a, he's the best. You but, talk about a man that walks in a room and you immediately. But long term, long term, I don't think it works out. I think they got the boost right now in year one. Maybe in year two, it'll be good. It will not last. Same thing with Dusty Baker. It works out real, Why? real. Because I think the players don't like it. They're they, like, they, Bochy's different. Every player in the world loves him. Never been a player probably that's come through his clubhouse that hasn't been in love with this man. He just is, he, he knows the line. Mm-hmm. His business is his pleasure. He, he, he earns your respect. Um, God, he's just a gentleman. But he's so big and massive. When you shake his hands, you get lost, right? You get, you get respect. And, and and I don't know, man. Like I didn't see it. Like there's some people. I think Dusty. I think Bochi. I think they've they've always been players, managers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a few that aren't. Um, my thing with Buck Showalter is I think it's uh, uh, ego, and I hope he's calmed down. But it's 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 kind of about Buck. I, and, I just I don't see him being back next year. Not after this debacle. Uh, and, and Buck's never, what has he ever done in the postseason as a, as a manager? Nothing. Nothing. Although, so that's my other thing, right? He can thing, get you there. The thing with Buck is a lot of people uh, will look at his tenure with the Yankees and say he built the team that Joe Torre so took over. Ago, yeah. Like Joe Torre came in in year one and had Buck Showalter's team. Okay. And it was Buck who added Derek Jeter to the roster in 95 and sat him in the dugout on the bench to watch them lose to the Mariners <laughs> just so he can get that experience of being with the club in the postseason. And Jeter has forever said that that helped him going into year one Watching. with the expectations, just being with yeah. the team in the postseason and then experiencing it's like, that. It's like NFL quarterbacks. These guys that get rushed to the to, – to, like, I drafted in the first round, you're starting right now. You talk about a tough position to where you have to know a ton. Mm-hmm. That's where these guys fail. Very rarely do you ever, ever – See a guy step in his first year as a rookie quarterback and do well. These guys, the Aaron Rodgers, the Brett Favre's, right? Let these guys sit and hold yeah. the clipboard and learn. That's why they have these longevity careers where they're so darn good. Um, so you think Buck's back next year or no? He can only fire so many people, and they don't really want to have – I think he was worried about all the young managers bringing in, so he was like, you know what? We want to make sure that we – have a veteran here. So I, mm-hmm. I do think, you can only, again, you can only fire so many people. Um, they need development. Uh, we can do a whole segment on how they messed up that draft. I mean, <laughs> it's not that it's a draft because I was there before that. And everything they gave up, it was it was sad. I mean, we had a kid from here, 100 grand off of signing him, 
They wanted him. They sent more people to see Chris Cortez out of Las Vegas than anybody else in the country. And they messed up the Kamar Rocker thing. And so I was like, man, like you had, a, you had an opportunity to replenish your system starting. Chris would have went straight from the draft to like one of the top prospects in the organization. Mm. You messed up the Kamar Rocker thing. You fell for it, by the way. Two years, I think it was prior, with another Boris client, the same thing happened. They've already traded this kid out of there. So you're falling for this again. You fell for it again, by the way. Speak of them. Okay, let me tell you. This is this is the Mets in a nutshell, right? And it's sad. I love this organization. Um, Carlos Correa signs a contract with the San Francisco Giants for three, what, thirty-five, three fifty. I forgot how much money the, the contract was for this offseason. He signs this contract with the Giants. They have the test taken. Sorry, the doctor's <laughs> appointment. You see, yeah, know I'm going. Yeah, yep, they yep. had the doctor's appointment test, and something came up. They didn't the, like it. The, the doctor yeah. was like, "No." They paid this doctor what a hundred grand, whatever it was. Doctor was like, uh, "This is what I see. I don't like it. I don't recommend you sign him." <clears throat> the Giants go, "Appreciate you. That's why we hired you. We're not going to sign him." The Mets swoop in and say, "We'll pay you." What we'll, we'll the Mets sign do? Him. They swooped in just like you yep. said. They signed him. Mm-hmm. Did they have him? Nope. What happened? Do you know why they don't have him? Because same thing. Do you know what the Mets did? They oh didn't they 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 didn't want to guarantee it for injury or something like that or get the injury insurance. I love that you never heard the story. Yeah. I'll give you one more. It's so beautiful. This guy is so beautiful. I'm, I thought it was something about the the the, the Mets. Yeah, go ahead. Hired the same exact doctor that the Giants hired. <laughs> Gave the same report and gave the same report. <laughs> I don't even know. They hired the same doctor. <laughs> this guy doubled up and didn't have to do anything different. Oh, by the way, I already have that yeah. one. Here's the report. Here's, here's the, it's the same exact thing that's been on the TV every day for the last week. That's the Mets in a nutshell. And then he goes back to Minnesota. So again, the Mets are what I say. Um, I say fast food's not fast enough anymore for us, right? Mm-hmm. It's just we're, we're lazy, and we, need, we want it now. And the Mets almost took that approach. You want to come in and make a splash, but there's some levels of our game that a splash is not needed. You have to earn. GM's got to be a minimum of like three years in the future. The closest person in, in an organization to be in the moment is the player. Manager's got to be weeks ahead, right? Yeah. And, and so we want to come in and make a splash, but you can't necessarily do that. I mean, even Miami Heat with, what, LeBron, D-Wade, and uh, Bosch, mm-hmm. they didn't win the first year, right? So they, they did this before with Brody Van Wagenen and with, uh, I'll say his name is Jared Banner. Yep. With JB, they did the same thing. They wanted to make a name. It's not about you and me, man. We mm-hmm. had our opportunity to do this. Yeah, the Canovio was ridiculous. It was, although Diaz is Diaz wound up working out. I didn't think the first year. I was year there, one, it did I not. He was him. horrible. But last year, last year you could have made yeah. the argument that he was a he could have won the Cy Young Award last well, year. He was Jacob Degrom. Yeah, he was Jacob Degrom's own hittable. Yeah, they hired the same doctor, bro. Yeah, <laughs> him getting hurt but in it, the World Baseball Classic. Sad. I, it, it, it derailed. Remember Kendrick it, Morales. Yeah. It derailed the Mets uh, beginning of the season this year, for sure. Yeah, Kendra Morales a few years back, uh, for everybody to know, for the Angels, hit mm-hmm. a walk-off, I think, Grand Slam. And uh, as he was coming home to score, mm-hmm. he jumps high to celebrate, and he landed on the plate wrong and blew his ACL out celebrating. It was, it was basically that with, with Edwin Diaz. Yep. Sad. Yeah. Um, 
God, he's so good. And he was so good for our game. And then what he was doing with the trumpets. Yeah, the like, entrance. See what that did. And so now look yeah. around baseball now. Everybody, even Batista in Baltimore has yeah, one. He's got his the own. Reds yeah. do that, that yep. uh, the red out or whatever mm-hmm. they do. So many cool entrances. I think that's one of the coolest things in baseball, by the way. It is awesome. I used to yeah. love seeing the clips on social media. And then they put it in the video games, too. Yeah. And oh, did they? All, yeah, everyone yeah. gets all excited about My it. My boy BJ Ryan had the flames, right? So in Toronto, we had the flames that go around the board. Yeah. It was so cool. Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll stick in New York for just a second because yeah, we talk cool. about how disappointing the Mets are. The Yankees, under Brian Cashman, have never had a losing season. This year, they Let's are 60-59 and 59 and in danger of not making the postseason as they're five and a half games out. I know we could talk about health, right? Judge was out for a while. Stanton just can't even run. But how disappointing have the New York Yankees been this year? Or... Okay. Were they just not that good and they were overrated because they were the Yankees and they had Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge? Okay, so why were they successful last year? Do you recall? Or what is your opinion on that? Well, Aaron Judge hit Aaron had 62 home runs. Yeah, fantastic, right? we got to have somebody on base. Somebody's going to score you when you're not scoring yourself, right? Yeah, we know what Aaron did. Uh, great year. Um, crazy how you get contracts and you get hurt. Isn't that funny how that works? Yeah. I love Judgey, though. He's great for our game. Um, they won because they went back to what baseball is. The bullpen is the backbone to any winning team. Mm-hmm. The starters set the tone. If you want to be successful, your starter has to go at least seven innings. It's, it's, he, he, he puts the bullpen in a position to be used correctly. We use bullpens just to use them these days. Right, the Yankees went back to, uh, on accident, I would say, because they've never been good at handling the bullpen. Jory never knew how to do it. Girardi didn't really know how to do it. Yeah, um, they went back to letting the starting pitchers set the tone for our team, and those starting pitchers all were averaging seven innings to start. Uh, Lefty did a fantastic job. Obviously, GC was great. They were really, really good. But those guys, not only did they make all their starts, they pitched deep in the game. They learned about pitching. If you want to know how to play the first inning of a postseason game. You better know how to pitch the eighth or ninth inning of a regular season game. And they did that. And so these guys put the team in a position that everybody can do their job appropriately. It was fantastic. Uh, pitching is how they win. They, their offense is no good. It hasn't been good. Mm. You have, I'm going to go over the lineup real quick. Uh, Kiner, the, the third base, boy's playing third base today. Uh, Kiner Falafa. Kiner Falafa, mm-hmm. yeah. So, okay, he's, he's not a household name. He's not great. But in the right situation, he can be fantastic. Yeah. So they're not even creating this opportunity on the offensive side to put guys in a position to succeed. Uh, we got Judge. All right, Aaron, we, don't, we know who Aaron Judge is. He's yeah. fantastic, right? He's an MVP. When he's healthy. Uh, Torres is, is actually having a respectful year, but 267 with 771. Like, that's respectful. It's not good. Mm-hmm. Okay? So we go to Stanton. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton is, is one of the worst hitters in the game. He's basically Schwarber, but he's always hurt. He's nowhere near Kyle Schwarber. And Kyle Schwarber's not good. He's yeah. a 177 hitter who can't play defense and save a lick. But that's what I'm saying. Neither can Stanton. And he's a low average hitter, but has a ton of pop. All right, so these guys, I'm going to take Schwarber out of this. Stanton's not a baseball player. He, he's a liability on the field. I'm not talking smack. I'm being realistic. Yeah. This is nothing personal. Well, he's got thrown out at the plate on balls that at, at, he, a player could score from first on it. He, can't, get, he didn't run. can't score from second, yeah. So what, what's happening in our game is we have these uh, Ellie De La Cruz's, and we have these Corbin Carroll's, and we have 
these Bobby Witt Juniors, and we have these guys that are actually hustling again, yeah. and it's putting fans in the seats. When people realize what our attendance has done the last month, these guys and their hustle, their their respect, these young kids, young kids are now hustling. We don't see that. We're lazy. We think it's cool to dog it. John Collins, Stan. Come on, man. Did you not want to send him to the minor league? What do you want to do after that? That is such an embarrassment on him coming over from second, and he's jogging, yeah. and he gets thrown out by a country mind. doesn't even realize it because he never once went above half speed. Mm-hmm. That's sad. There's a lot of sadness in that. That's not who the Yankees are. The Yankees used to not care about how much you got paid. They didn't care what your name was. If you didn't hustle into your job, sit on the bench until mm-hmm. you figure it out. So you got Stanton, who's not a good baseball player. He's not a team baseball player. He doesn't possess any of that skill set, but I'm paying him so much that you play him. Now he's got pop. i got to respect it a little bit in the lineup, not too much. So you got him. Um, Harrison Bader kind of lost in the shuffle, but a guy that I need for my pitchers who go seven, he's a defensive guy that I know I can count on. He's going to yeah. hustle every time. That is... And the, and the Rizzo thing was totally an embarrassment. The guy played with a concussion for over a month, and they, no one knew. And they finally send him for testing, and they find well, out that he, the, his reaction time is slow. Yeah, he's batting like 100. Well, yeah, Josh Donaldson, who, they got a lot of old guys yeah. who can't do anything. They have everybody at this very same age. Mm-hmm. They're, just, they, they're, they're one of the worst offensive teams in baseball. They're not good offensively. And so what is going to – the pitching has to be their backbone again, and they're not doing that either. Not there. The yeah. team is just not good. They don't have this, this collection of, of, of young, middle, and old. They don't. They're either very young or very old. Mm. There's nothing in between. Uh, Rizzo is a great like, – defensively, you want Rizzo on the team because he sets a tone defensively as well. Pitching and defense wins. We play 162 yeah. games. Yep. Look at the look at the All Star game. Why is it always low scoring? Because the pitching. Best players. Yeah. Yeah. The mm-hmm. best players in the world. The best hitters in the world cannot hit the best pitchers in the world. You can't do it. They need their pitching and defense, and they don't have it. They're trying to base their team off an offense that is very old. And so, whose fault is it? People are kind of getting on Cashman. Cashman's been probably the best GM in baseball history for a long time. Never had a losing season. Yeah. He's amazing, man. So and all the all the post, all the postings appearances, the World Series rings. It's hard to argue with that. When you try to build your team mm-hmm. to win, which Tampa did for oh, not time, sorry, Texas did for a long time. When you try to build your team off of offense to win at the major league level for 162 games, it's over. You can't do it. It has to be built off pitching and defense. The Yankees lost all of it. And they, they forgot yeah. what that meant. They don't have it right and they now. They don't have that leader that we see. Yeah. Maybe internally, I don't see it, but they don't have that leader that they used to have in Derek Jeter and Bernie Williams and Jorge Posada and Andy Pettit. And if one person, and I don't care who it was, if one person even got out of line, any one of those dudes was going to jump all over you. Yep. They were going to. Listen, when I was with that team in 09, I would sit in my chair and I would just watch the clubhouse. I knew it wasn't playing. I would just sit here and watch to share to my left, swish to my right, the big dogs down the, down in the corner, right? And our team was so loaded with everybody. And I would just sit back with my arms crossed. <laughs> and came, I'm back and with the mic. And I would just watch. And everybody had a role. And it didn't matter how dumb it was. Nick Swisher was in charge of the radio. It didn't matter. <laughs> yeah, Sugar Swish is the best. Boy, I love this kid. Sugar, um, it didn't matter what he put on. It didn't matter mm-hmm. how dumb it was. It didn't matter if we agreed with it. His energy was so beautiful, and it was Nick's job. And so no matter what it was, everybody embraced it because it was so fun, and he made it fun. Yeah. And everybody, Teixeira was a genius, by the way. And then anybody had a problem, they collectively got together, whatever it was, 
uh, something we wanted to address. And then you would go to Johnny Damon, and Johnny Damon would take it to the manager. That was his job. Hmm. And Jeter was the guy that would instigate uh, smack talk all day. Just instigate, <laughs> like quietly just pushing, but it was fun, yeah. right? And um, I never heard anybody on that roster ever talk about anything except how we were going to win today. Mm. What was what, How were we going to approach this pitcher, this offense, as a team? Everybody was talking about how, they would, how we're going to win today's game. That's it. And they would go to the back and they would sit down and, like, discuss it, whether it had pen and paper or whatever it was. Uh, with, like, because there's always media around. A clubhouse is so big that there was back rooms that we can sneak and hide away. Mm-hmm. And they would talk about how we we're going to win today. It was so important winning as a team. That's lost. Yeah, we were loaded. Yeah, we were some of the best players that I've ever seen constructed on a roster. But nobody saw the internal workings of why we were actually good because they did everything as a team. And if you got out of line, somebody put you back in line quick because it wasn't about that. Don't even try to show up close to stretch or anything like that because you're not playing. You're going to get jumped, right? Show some respect to everybody in this organization. We didn't, we policed ourselves when it came to shaving or anything, it was just fascinating. And I knew probably two days after I got there that this team was winning the World Series because of what I saw internally, right? I asked Shane Victorino one day, I said, Shane, when did you know you guys were gonna win the World Series with Boston? And he said, I knew in July. And that's the whole conversation because he knew what I was asking. I did have to elaborate. He knew, he knew what they had in that clubhouse. It was such a cool answer for me. That's awesome. I was going to ask you yeah. if you knew right away in 09 that that team was special because, you know, they brought in Burnett, they brought in Teixeira, they brought in Sabathia. Well, that's the little stuff, yeah. and I don't, I don't brag too much. It's not my – I mean, I talk a lot of smack. I'm pretty cocky when I'm playing. Um, <laughs> but I don't take credit for anything ever. It's such a team-oriented game, and I knew I was never going to – I mean, I asked Gerard. I went in his office, and I said, Joe, am I going to play? And he goes, nah. He goes, Josh, you're here for backup. And it's pretty nice when your 25th guy is a guy who has eight years in the big league, yeah. right? It's, you know you're deep. He says, nah, you're, you're, um, you're just back up, man. Extra innings, something crazy like that. He goes, I'll try to get you in just to get you. But I said, don't worry, man. Uh, he goes, why? I said, I've never really enjoyed New York before. And he goes, oh, go, go enjoy New York. So I was going to stay in Jersey. Um, it's so weird to say this now, but I was going to stay in Jersey with Sergio Mitre. And... Uh, I couldn't do it. So I ended up staying at a different hotel every time we came home in New York City because I wanted to see New York City for what it is. And Joe allowed me to do it. It was so cool. And, you know, those types of things, like, you know, you're going to get more out of a player when you do stuff like that. Um, The pitching coach came up to me one day and he said, hey, JT, I know you and and AJ are super tight. And you had him in Toronto. He said, I can't figure him out. And uh, I said, you're just talking to him wrong. That's it. Hmm. You know, you just got to get to know who AJ Burnett as a person, and I don't call him AJ, I call him Alan James. Uh, <laughs> and and he said there's only two people that's ever called him that, his grandma and me. Yeah. And so he, a reporter <laughs> asked him one day, and he's like, he's like, Josh is the only person I'll allow to call me that. Outside of my grandma, right? It's really cool. Um, so I said, listen, man, I'll, I'll definitely take on the role of AJ Burnett, but you got to let me do my thing. I said, but I need you to be with me. Follow me. Listen to what, don't you have to interrupt. Just listen to how I approach AJ. Um, and AJ had one of the best Septembers 
you can have. And obviously, it was instrumental in the playoffs. It was really cool to to see AJ get back to who he is. He's such an amazing person, but he can be misunderstood at times because he's just he's this country redneck from Arkansas, man. Right? He's just he's fiery. He's awesome. He is. <laughs> Arguably the best teammate of all time. Wow. We're definitely one of the best people of all time, for sure. Wow. And he goes and does that, and it's great. And so there was no egos. There was no pride. There was no you, – nobody was afraid to ask. And to have a pitching coach come and ask a player, admitting I can't figure this out, a coach, the major league level, the New York Yankees, so awesome. We had it. See, these are the type of stories that you get when you have a eight-year major league veteran hosting the podcast. So I wanted to – Put this out to the audience. If you guys have questions that you want answered for to help you with your handicapping of Major League Baseball, whether it's questions about rest, questions yeah. about matchups, uh, we will pose those questions each and every week here to Josh. So tweet at Scott's on Air or at No Don't Josh and ask your questions for this podcast. Also, we need a name for this podcast, Josh. It can't just oh. be the MLB podcast no, from, Dream, from R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. So real quick, y'all, if I'm terrible at responding on Twitter uh, as far as messages, so hit Scotty up for I mean, if I see it, I will. But yeah. If I don't respond, it's nothing personal. I'm just bad at this. And we'll, um, put, we'll, we'll put something out also on the pregame Twitter account so you guys can uh, yes. and see it and respond to it because we will answer your questions. No question th- about th- that. This is what we're here for. Like I said at the beginning, we're not going to be breaking down every game and every pitching matchup. We're going to talk more on the macro level and give you the tools that you need to handicap the games better. So if you have questions about matchups, day games versus night games, uh, travel spots, things like that that you want to to get answered from an eight-year Major League veteran, a guy who has pitched against some of the best players in the history of the game. I mean, let's let's remind people, Josh, when you played, like that era of baseball (laughs) (laughs) featured some of the greatest hitters ever. So, I had both. Um, I had pre and post steroids. Yeah. So I had every. I had all the transitions. I mean, we can go into that another day. But yeah, I had a lot of. I had everything, man. I mean, I was to the end of the McGuire era, right? Mm. You know, played against Griffey. Um, I played how I always say it. I played with men and I played with the boys, right? Like, mm-hmm. It was a big transition. The Cal Ripken Juniors, the Jeff Conines. They're men to me, like intimidating men. Like, don't miss when you shake their hand. Yeah. You lost. <laughs> you lost that game. Uh, I, I want to ask you one, one, one last thing uh, for the, for this episode. Oh, real uh, quick on the names. So I've already, I've already. Started, oh, names of the podcast. Okay, I've already started pulling my sons. Uh, my boys are twenty. So my my son, my birth son, he's twenty years old. He's uh, going to be a junior. Just started at Loyola Marymount as a baseball. Player. Oh, nice. So I hit him up and his boys, and I said, "Hey, start coming up with names when you mm-hmm. name for the podcast." Uh, I called my daughter. She's super creative uh, today. And she goes, I go, no, you're not rushed. I said, but I want you to start creating or coming up with some names for our podcast. And the same thing with our audience. Get, shoot it to us. Yes. Let us know, man. We need a name. Uh, and it doesn't, like, we're baseball related, but it doesn't have to be baseball related. Like, come up with something cool and creative <laughs> yes. that we're in. Yeah. Like, we call ourselves here at pregame, we give the Vegas truth. So maybe something yeah. maybe something along those lines with the truth here. But uh, related to your, obviously, your pitching expertise. And you mentioned attendance being up. And a lot of yeah. it is because of the new rules. The pitch clock has sped up the game so much here, okay. right, where games are shorter, fan engagement is better because the, the, the people like a shorter game, a quicker-paced game. I don't. And, and so far— Oh, playing uh, I'm glad you said that. Playing but, that yeah. Yeah. So far, we haven't seen a lot of violations. Like, in the beginning of the year, yes, but it has faded off. So pitchers Always have adjusted. Right. Pitchers have adjusted to the pitch clock. But 
when we get into the postseason, will it become an issue? Because these are higher leverage moments where a guy might want to, they call it the disengagement, a guy might want to step off and get on the same page with this catcher. A guy might want to, you know, take an extra beat, an extra breath to conserve that energy so he can throw an extra mile per hour on that next pitch. Will the pitch clock be an issue once we get to the postseason? Yeah. 100% it's going to be. You're going to have somebody lose a playoff series, lose the World Series based off of these I'm not going to say what I really feel about the rules, but based off of these new rule changes, it's, you know, it's going to become an issue and it's going to be bad. I think personally, um, the pitch clock, I've always used that. We were taught that by the Orioles, how to work fast and why and what it does. It's, it's such a, these guys don't realize it. It is such a benefit to pitchers and what it does to hitters and how it rushes them. Right. So these guys really learned correctly. This is a really good thing for pitching. Um, the rest of the stuff, like the whole pick, pick, and then you can't, you got to throw it. And there's a way if, if hitters really wanted to, they can manipulate that in their favor. Um, it is going to become an issue because I'm not going to want to rush. I can rush through games right now. It doesn't matter. You got who's Oakland and playing the Nationals. Nobody cares. <laughs> no disrespect, but no one cares if you kind of skip on a couple of those rules or you twist it a little bit or you – you know, no one's really going to call it. It's, it doesn't matter. It matters in the postseason. And now you're going to tell me that I can or can't do this, and you're going to try to enforce it. I hate when we implement things. And, like, always, how do I explain this? If I say I'm going to do something, you're going to get the very best version of me because I committed to doing this. I don't care what it is. If I'm coaching the New York Yankees or if I'm coaching a Little League baseball team, I don't care. Like, I committed to do that. I said I would do it. And you're going to get the very best of whatever I can give you. I don't level it up. It doesn't mean less to me because it's literally baseball and not the New York Yankees. It's not how my brain works. But that's how we kind of approach these rules. Is eh, It's a meaningless midseason baseball game. It's not the playoffs. And all of a sudden the base playoffs come around and we enforce it a little bit more strict. That's not fair. And it's not fair to the players involved because – you get used to a certain thing, and then all of a sudden, I don't get it. And you're like, wait a minute. Two weeks ago, you didn't enforce that. Now you're going to enforce it in the biggest moment I've mm-hmm. ever been in. Mm-hmm. It, I think it will become an issue for a second. Uh, I, was I, wa- I was watching a highlight from tonight, from Monday night. Max Scherzer struck out the side on a pitch clock a pitch clock violation oh. against the hitter. So the hitter oh. had two strikes on him, but I guess he didn't step in the box within the certain amount of time. So he got strike three automatically called on him. But Scherzer being the competitor that he is, he got pissed off because he wanted to throw. He wanted yeah. to throw the I pitch. Love him. So Scherzer goes that's and then walks say. off the field. Scott, I was going to say earlier, like, I forgot what we were talking about. But 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 Max Scherzer is the one guy, uh, maybe Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer is the one guy that has earned every contract he's ever got. Mm. Speaking of what I just said about there's no, that doesn't mean more to me because of this or less. Max Scherzer, God, I love this man. You would think that every year he's played, it's the it's the last contract he's ever going to get, or he has to earn another one to live. Like he's, I've never seen a person like always go out there and play like this is the last time he can possibly play. Like this guy has earned everything. I mean, he he's talking about a Hall of Fame and what they're really about, what a Hall of Fame means. Max Scherzer is it to me. Yeah, love this kid. Beast. Good trade oh, by the Mets. Yeah. Good trade. You got it. You had to. Good trade. You you messed everything up. You had to. And Acuna's little brother is going to be. 
He's Acuna. Like, he looks just like him. <laughs> yeah, he's he's yeah. going to be great soon. He is Josh Towers, former Major League pitcher. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Again, send us your questions. Yep. Send us your name suggestions. You can hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air. You can hit Josh up at No Don't Josh mm-hmm. or all of us here at Pregame Now. Let's do it. And while. We appreciate you listening to us. We will also have a video component as well to this podcast. So we're going to be putting stuff out on social media so you can watch us do the pod, some clips that you can share as well. And if you want to save some money at pregame.com, use the promo code JOSH20, special promo code for Josh Towers today. JOSH20 will get you 20% off at pregame.com. we got great packages up on the website right now available for football season. you got combo NFL. NFL and college football packages from your favorite pregame pros. You can jump on board for the rest of the Major League Baseball season as we get closer and closer to the playoffs. Josh will be here with us every week. We'll do an episode every Monday night, working our way up to the postseason. And as as we get closer and closer to the postseason, we'll do stuff more frequently, uh, more than once a week here. But he's Josh Towers. Welcome to pregame. Welcome to this podcast that has yet to be named. But it will, up with but it. it will have a cool name. It will, I promise you. <laughs> we'll yeah. talk to you next week. Awesome. <laughs>